Hey there. What is happening for you today? I'm having a good one. It's a good start of the day. I don't even remember the day that I'm recording this, but so far it's good. You know, I'm sitting here petting my dog. Family's good. Nobody's arguing today. It's been amazing. You know, another thing that is amazing is I've been reading back through the reviews of the show on you know, iTunes. And I know that reviews exist other places, you know, Podbean and that type of stuff, but I've really been enjoying reading those. Even a few that hate the show because they make me laugh and I really enjoy those. So if you haven't done that, it doesn't cost you anything and maybe takes, what's it take to type two sentences? Like 90 seconds? So do that. I have no idea how many reviews are there as of recording this and it doesn't really matter, but I like reading those and I think that you might would enjoy getting that out of your system. So rate and review the show before we get started. It does help tremendously because algorithms and the internet and you know how things work. We've all been on the internet. Now I'm excited to present this conversation with you today. So I spoke with Jennifer and Jeremy Dibler. They sing music, write songs. They've done a lot of things that I've never done. Spent time in you know Africa. They've they just done a lot. And their story, as well as the way that the conversation just went, man, I loved it. And I think that you will too. What I love the most is we're just three normal people. There's no theology degrees. There's just earnest conversation. So I am extremely excited to present a bit of this conversation with them with you as we kind of walk through what it feels like to feel disconnected and what it feels like to begin to feel reconnected and just all of that. And I'm not saying that well. But that's okay. Here we go. Unsure of anything or anyone. So this is what it feels like to walk the desert sand. This is what it feels like to hear my name. To be scared to death. Cause I'm Recording in progress. I hate that song. I hate that thing. I think it's there because everybody needs to know. Like you can't on the sly hit record. So, all right, let's give this a go. Starting's always the hardest part. Um, everybody probably starts with your name, Jeremy. So I'm not going to. Jennifer and Jeremy uh-huh. Dibler. See, see, I've been married long enough to know how the rules work. <laughs> um, welcome to the show. Also, thanks for emailing in. Those I, I like getting emails like yours, specifically because usually I get emails calling me names for having different conversations. So I prefer emails like yours. But welcome to the show, and I'm glad you're here. I remember where I was when I emailed you because I had been listening for months, and you know I've got five or six podcasts that I always, whenever they come across, I'm like, yes, a new one. And I don't know if your listeners or viewers feel this way, but I just think your voice is so soothing. I mean, mm, I, I love know. it. There, I Listen, this may sound creepy, but it's, it's the truth. That sounded kind of creepy. We're making it awkward. Their afternoon. So I love taking naps. It's, it's, I've been taking naps my whole life. Matter of fact, my, my grandparents take naps. I've, Anyways, sometimes in the <laughs> afternoon, I'll turn on your podcast, uh-huh. lay down, and fall asleep to it. Wow. That's, yeah. that's, that was very creepy. I'm not. But you know it's true. <laughs> I, don't, wow. I don't know what to say to that. Um, <laughs> I do, thank, thank you, I, I, I think. 
I um, think. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I don't know. A few people have said that. Not a, it does. I don't know. I I don't think your voice sounds the same to me as it does to you, though. Like, isn't that how isn't that how the voice works? I think like you you don't. I don't know. I feel like that's I correct. Hear, I hate to hear myself. Yeah. So you also don't have any accent whatsoever. It's so nice. Liberty you, beat it, that out of me. Oh, really? So there was a class, and I can't remember the professor, though he did have a massive whatever this part of the beard is called, and he would chew on it while he spoke, which was weird. But we had to, so it was professional orating or professional communications. I forget. It was comms 360. I just don't remember the name of the class. And um, we had to film ourselves twice, and those were the only two grades. We had to give like a long presentation to like venture capitalists, and the rest of the class was the venture capitalists. And it had to be the same pitch twice. The goal was to film yourself, practice it until you sound like you're from nowhere in Ohio or Nebraska, and remove the ums, the ticks, the the wow. lip licking, the swaying back and forth, and figure out how to, if you do say um, that it's intentional, or you mm. know, if you move your hands, it's not because you're just nervous. You know what I mean? But my wife will tell you if I'm very tired, my accent, like the words, just come out like I'm from Texas, and. Mm-mm. Okay. Yeah, that's usually how she'll be like, I think you're overextended. You might want to dial it back for a couple days because you're saying oil and ride <laughs> and <laughs> stuff like that. So, yeah, it's there subconsciously. But they it was if I wanted to pass the class, they wanted you to learn how to. And I will say it's been very. It's just, <laughs> I don't know. It's been very helpful because the one thing that we learned in that class was humans being so social we latch on to the person in front of us and so if i talk to you for like 15 or 20 minutes i begin to sound a little bit like you because my brain needs to fit in and you sound like you, you and do that. and it do that. and it disarms the other person a bit where they feel a little more comfortable because i might be maybe from where they might have used to been from if that makes any oh. sense and it's really kind of subconscious it's kind of annoying actually because yeah. i can't really control it I do that too. Yeah. Well, see, there we go. There we go. Well, you also have, so she's from St. Louis and they also have a non-accent. See? Yeah. So, I mean, they, we have some, we have corn instead of corn. Corn with an A. I never knew. We say corn. I never knew that's why that happened though. I didn't either. That's what this that. class said. So I learned a lot of things at Liberty that I don't agree with anymore. Um, so, but this was not religious based. So I have to, why would they lie? So who knows? <laughs> Why would they lie about that one? <laughs> Who knows? All right. Jennifer, let's start with you, and then Jeremy will go to you. Who and what are you? Like, what is that? Uh, I'm not sure. I think I know what you mean. Yeah, so introduce uh, yourself to the people listening, because like, uh, no one else is getting to look at you at the, at the same time, et cetera. Um, Jennifer Dibler. I am a wife to this dude for 25 years. <laughs> Mom to Hutch and Sadie, mm-hmm. 17 and 13, and that's pretty much it. That's not what you wanted to say about me, is it? <laughs> For the first, like, 10 years of our marriage. You shouldn't say that. I was dumbass. That was my... That, and I told you before you hit record that we got in a fight before this interview. So it's not, she probably didn't want to say, I've never heard her call me dude. Well, ever, I couldn't think of that right now. I mean, d- you, d- you can say whatever you'd like. So, well, you know, <laughs> this guy. 
Um, and then Jeremy, what would you say to that? Just kind of introduce yourself to so that people kind of know where you're coming from. Uh, I am Jeremy Dibler, what, uh, husband to Jennifer from Pennsylvania, living in California through 18 years in Tennessee. And, you know, it's weird that you say, what are you? Because I, I'm kind of just Jeremy. I don't, I had this experience this morning. We were with some folks. We had met some people at the beach. We took our kids surfing and I don't have an elevator version of, I just don't know. Uh, you know, I, I have trouble explaining what I do and who I am and I'm just me. I, Can you surf? <laughs> no, I can't. Our kids can. Our kids are really good at it. I, seven years ago when we moved out here, I thought, well, and I do love the ocean. I body surf and, you know, I get in and I love it. But some friends out here were like, dude, we'll, we'll get you up. No problem. We'll, and they tried for the better half of an afternoon. And they're like, actually, maybe you can't. <laughs> maybe you should take the pictures. Yeah, maybe, maybe you should just body surf. So a couple of years ago, we went to the Outer Banks, uh, which we've only gone twice. And I don't think I want to go back. There's too many people there. Um, we go to a different beach now. But those little wooden boards that you throw on top of the sand as yeah, the waves the come back. Yeah. So I tried to surf on one of those. And, and it no, was, that's not enough. That's not big enough to hold you. It was, uh, well, it, it did not hold me. The no. sand also seemed to be in revolt to hold me. We, we, every, <laughs> everything went down. So, oh, you tried to skimboard. You Absolutely. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, yeah. uh, my son so did it. Awesome. He crushed really it. Hard. My daughter crushed it. Really hard. Yeah. And I, I crushed myself. So, yeah. <laughs> our, our son our can do that. I could never. Yeah. Hutch is, Hutch will be. 18 next month. And he, he and Sadie both have been, since we moved out here, they, they've been in and on the water mm. and Hutch can really skimboard really. Matter of fact, he can skimboard on a boogie board. He doesn't even need a skimboard. Yeah. And it looks so easy. It's not. And then, Oh, it's so hard. Yeah. It's not for those listening. So they know your names. Um, I'm going to paint a little bit of context and then I might just riff off of one of the emails that you sent to kind of rip open a conversation and then yeah, we'll, we'll go from there. So you are FFH, the band from the mid, late, early 90s, or maybe no. now, or is it still around? <laughs> oh, wait right? a minute. Right? The 2000s. Right? Say, listen, oh, listen. Please. We're not that old. Listen, I, listen, We're of the three old. of us, one of us has no hair, and I have just as much, almost as much gray as you do. So I'm, I, I'm calling everybody. <laughs> well, I put a lot of color in mine to make it look like this. <laughs> do you really? You, you intentionally I mean, make it gray? Well, my, my, the top of my hair is normal, but my beard is white. So oh. I, I put color. that shower in. I, stuff. I would pay money to have the top of my hair, any color other than flesh tone. So, <laughs> so, so um, yeah, we, we start, we fronted the band FFH. Mm -hmm. um, it was Jennifer and I and Brian and Michael mm -hmm. for until we moved here, really. So we started in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, when I was, I had almost, was almost 16. It was, I was Brian, the bass player and I, and two other guys. And then, um, you know, we just, we just kept going with it. We signed a record deal in 1998. We released our first record with Essential, Provident, and 99, and then toured almost full-time until we came here. We, we did have... Almost. So, 
What do you mean? Well, the last couple of years before we moved here, we were also leading worship at a church in Tennessee and I had gotten sick for a while. Mm -hmm. We moved to Africa for a little bit Mm -hmm. for, so 2000, 2000, the second half of 2006 till 2007, we moved to Africa. And then, so we, we sort of had a long off ramp, but we, we were doing most of our time as FFH until 2014 until we moved here. Yeah. Yeah. So before I came down here, I was, I was doing research by listening to old F, older FFH songs on the thing. And mm-hmm. my wife and I were enjoying it. And she's like, I haven't listened to these in so long. I was like, I agree. I agree. Um, and then I told her I was talking to y'all. She's like, that's, that's, that's kind of crazy. And so anyway, so we were reminiscing, but yeah, anyway, so it is, um, especially when I don't know. So after you emailed me and then you told me, I was like, I swear I have know that name from somewhere. Um, yeah. 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 Although as I looked back through um, one of those albums that y'all are compilation on and I see all the names, you know, Derek Webb and Sandra McCracken and all these names and I just, all these different stories and, you know, I was like, man, it's, there's been a lot of history with everybody in that album. Jennifer Knapp, you know, everybody, um, a lot of history there. So you, you're in FFH for a while. And are you still in FFH, right? Is it still ongoing? Is it still a thing or? Not really. Not really. I mean, it, we didn't have, it was weird because we didn't have a big dramatic breakup or ending. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think when we moved to Cape Town in 2006, we came back and my body wasn't feeling good. I, turns out I have multiple sclerosis, but I didn't know it then. So we ended up not going back out on the road, took a bunch of time off for me to have tests and all that. And, uh, I, you know, I feel, I feel good now and God's kindness, like good treatment. And, you know, I've, I've been in remission for a long time, but then we didn't know. And, uh, you know, it was just a necessary off-ramp for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, so we did go back out as FFH and start playing shows again. But, you know, our records weren't selling the way that they were back um, in the early 2000s. And the music industry was changing. And um, I had started doing more producing. And then we started leading worship at our home church in Tennessee and really liked it. And yeah. so we were kind of did a half, half on the road, half at home kind of thing. And then... In 2010, there was a really bad flood in Nashville and we lost most of everything we owned in like a subsequent mold (laughs) um, thing in our house. And after that, we're like, you know what, let's, this is a, it it all just kind of pointed towards laying FFH down and moving on to the next thing. Plus, you know, I mean, I think you and I have similar stories in some of those systems that were just right down the center for us after that weren't. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, our son who was, I don't know how old Hutch was when that one summer he went to Bible school, vacation Bible school and someone presented the gospel and then he was scared to go to hell. And I was like, this isn't, you know, that gospel is not good news at all yeah. to a little kid. Yeah. And so yeah. I was like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And so yeah, it, there was a lot of stuff that all led to that. I yeah. don't know. You might have stuff you want to add to that. Uh, Jennifer in that house in Nashville, you said Nashville, right? Tennessee. How big were the light switches that was, to, they that was were, destroyed? They were. <laughs> I can't believe you're bringing that up right now. <laughs> normal, normal size, right? 
They were normal size, but they were the paddle kind. <laughs> Are you not going to add any no, context nobody, to this? You know, nobody had any opinions on it. <laughs> oh, that's fun. So, no so I couldn't. Hey, I, are you going to leave it at that so people who are listening have no idea what you're talking about? Listen, it's you can say whatever you want. There's just a lot of people that listen, listen to this. <laughs> so. he has no, he has no opinions on anything. He, just so everybody knows, he's very, Shut up. very so, easy going. So we are currently moving back from California back to Nashville and we bought a piece of land and we're building a house mm-hmm. and I really don't have that many opinions but I like those big light switches yeah so that's his only opinion so I've said I want to have be able to have an office in this house and I want the big light switches and for some reason that's too many opinions to have I tell you what I'll do you tell me where to send them you can give me a p.o box if you'd like I will buy you some <laughs> light switches as a gift and because you don't want to be rude you'll take the gift and do what you want with them, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I'll just send them to you. I, you, know what I, you know what I think he can do with them? Return you them. You know where I can... You know <laughs> I can put them. <laughs> I have so, a good place for those So, um, <laughs> so Jennifer, why why did y'all go to South Africa? Like, what... That's a big change. So, you're you're touring, uh, you're doing the thing, you're playing music, you're living the dream, I, I assume, a dream. Living the dream. Living, living a dream. Like the only other person I've ever spoke to that's ever like made a huge shift like that is Jeremy Courtney, where he felt called to do something and then just like moved to the Middle East and still lives there. Like just moved. And he's the guy that does. Um, I think I know this guy. Oh. Is it preemptive love? Yes. That's, I couldn't no. think of the name. I could think of the logo, the, 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 the right. but I couldn't think. Yeah. So why, why did y'all do that? Uh, well, Jeremy went on a mission trip there and led worship with a, not really a mission trip, more of a, what was it? It's kind of a music conference thing. So yeah, it's more of a music conference they had down there. And so they had people come from the States. They, the church that was there that was throwing the music conference mm-hmm. was partners with our church in Tennessee. So they brought musicians down and he went on that. And while he was there, he just loved it and loved the people in the church and they really needed someone to come back. Mm. The, the pastor was kind of like, what do we do now? Mm. You know, we need somebody to come back and help us figure out how to do this. Yeah. So you were at a church? You were at a church there then? Yeah, the church hosted the conference. So I don't know if it's still like this, but back in the first time I went, there was a rule in South Africa that 60% of South African radio had to be music made in South Africa. So the church that we went with, they had a relationship with not only a church in South Africa, but also this kind of a music makers cohort there. And so I was just sort of the worship leader for the event, but they brought like engineers and musicians and uh, singers and studio like coaches and whatever. We all went to this town south of Cape Town and did like these seminars and stuff. And the pastor of the church that was hosting these seminars said, hey, this is not really fair for you guys. I mean, I, I was the least of the musicians. I mean, it was Nashville pros that went on this mission trip. They're like, you come here and do this and then you leave. And then it's a big letdown. Which one of you is going to come here for six months and actually stay? And mm-hmm. I just felt like that was my cue. I mean, actually there was almost 20 of us on the trip and everybody could sort of tell they were like, yeah, he's, he's probably going to do that. Um, <laughs> And 
Uh, I was back at home. I didn't go on the trip. Mm. So he can convince you to move to South Africa. I knew it. When he was gone, I thought, oh, geez. This is it. We're going to go there. I knew well, we're going to go there. <laughs> she had also made a deal with God. Yeah, I told God when I was a kid, I'll do anything. Just please don't send me to Africa. <laughs> I just don't want to go to Africa. <laughs> and where to, and I, so I just knew when he was there, I knew. Mm. I just knew we were going. I was even looking at houses. I thought, we're going to have to move. I thought we were moving. Were you really? Yeah, I started looking at houses online. But then when he, so, yeah, when he came back and was like, what would you think about spending some time there? I was like, I knew it. I actually already started packing my bags. (laughs) I didn't want to go, but. In your email, Jeremy, I want to rip apart some of these things. So you had said you get back from Africa, or, or maybe it's in the middle of all of that, and you said that what kind of like concepts of God or theology or religion were unraveling, but a good unraveling. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people are in that place. A massive amount of people are in that place. So what do you mean by like, what is unraveling? And is that, is that also happening for you as well, Jennifer? I I have to assume that it is. Maybe it's, maybe it's not then or then or now, but like, what, what was that? Like, what was, what was unraveling and and how was it a good unraveling? Because I know for me, it was relatively painful and isolating, Um, (laughs) but that's okay. That's probably of my own making as well. So. uh, Well, I mean, I can answer first because you asked me first. Um, So, you know, I think getting sick was the first part of it because I had never really thought that much about my body. I mean, I had worried about all kinds of stuff, but never really about my health. And then in 2005, actually, I started to get these weird neurological symptoms and nobody could figure them out. And they weren't just like, I mean, at first my arm went numb and I just thought, Oh, I must have a pinched nerve or something. Mm -hmm. And, that was funny that summer we went to the Jersey shore. We went back up to the Jersey shore to visit my mom and my grandma. We all went to ocean city, New Jersey, which is where I always went as a kid. And my arm was just hurting so bad. And my mom and my aunts and my grandma all work at hospitals. None of them are doctors, but they, they think the proximity makes them doctors. And <laughs> they're so, like receptionists and stuff. They're I'm, not even I'm gonna bow out of that one since my wife is a nurse. I'm not so, I don't have a I don't have an I don't have an opinion. She's <laughs> legit. She's legit. So though. they they were convinced I had some kind of pinched nerve or something. So I went to the doctor thinking I must have a pinched nerve and then they found these spots in my spine and then eventually with MRIs on my brain and after it was probably a year they were like you you have multiple sclerosis and during that year, I got really depressed, which now I realize was a, a telltale symptom of MS. And then also my left leg, you know, went numb for a really long time. I mean, I, I was on the couch for a while and, uh, I, I mean, I thought I was going to die. One of the diagnoses I, I got was like really, really bad. Like um, inoperable stuff and mm. t- it, 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 MS is kind of a diagnosis over time. So they rule some stuff out. And so I think that was probably the beginning of it. And then the economy was going South at the time, you know, this is like 2008 ish and we were not playing much. Cause I, I opted for an experimental chemo 
treatment for MS, which they weren't doing at the time. It's popular now and it's working, which is really great. But I was like one of the first thousand people to do this. Mm. And so I couldn't work for a year. Even the times where I felt okay, I had to stay home and wait for this treatment to start. They kept saying it was going to start and, you know, oh, it's next month. And then so we couldn't do anything because it was always up in the air. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, look, it's chemo. So don't plan anything before it or after it. Yeah. So I had all this waiting and I think that was it, man. I, I mean, I, it wasn't like I had, I didn't, I have heard, I mean, on shows like yours, I have listened to like you hundreds of people having some kind of unraveling or deconstruction stories. I never lost my faith. Really. I just pulled on a couple of strings and some systematic things just kind of unraveled for me. And I, and I was really, I was extremely, I don't really know how to explain it. Very systematic in my theology. In fact, I read some of Dave Nasser gave me systematic theology and said, read this. I think you'll really like it. <laughs> I know David and, yeah. And it made it, some of it made a lot of sense, but then it didn't like it works until it doesn't, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. hundred percent. And then I think the, the strength, like I, the, the certainty of hell was the string that I pulled that I was like, okay, wait a minute. I'm not sure God is like this. And I had never really considered it as much as I had up until that point. And my, and then when Hutch was questioning, like, like I told you, he had, you know, somebody presented the gospel and Mm -hmm. I realized you know, what that did to a kid. And I sort of internalized some of that stuff. So it wasn't all in one day, you know, it was over time. And we had also, we were, you know, we were bouncing around from rental house to rental house because ours had been flooded and we had this mold and we, <laughs> and so it was all kind of, it wasn't just like a spiritual unraveling. It was actually sort of a health life, <laughs> physical, financial unraveling all at the same time. And um, I just started going, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I believe in God the way that I used to, but it, God hadn't, wasn't any less real to me. Mm. If that, I don't know if that makes sense, but I like, we kept going to church. We work at a church still. I mean, I, I believe in so much of why, what we do and why we do it. It's just, there are a couple pieces that I don't think belong anymore. I have to say though, in that time, that's part of the reason that we moved to California, though. You had a real hard time being, we went to a Bible church, and you had a really hard time sitting in that at that time, which I don't know if you remember exactly. I do. But so, so that's a lot of the reason we moved out here is because we needed to get out of mm-hmm. the South. When you say, <laughs> I don't know, for a bit. <laughs> the thing is, though, it's really not like, they didn't change. So it wasn't their fault. Yeah. I was just experiencing God different. And I was also experiencing more of a contemplative life and reading like Richard Rohr and Dallas Willard and Rob Bell's books. And I was going, you know, this is a different way of thinking about God than I've ever thought. And so it was more of like a both and, although some things didn't belong anymore. Yeah. And I was just like, ah, we need a change of scenery. And, and I like, I know she's going to talk about it some too. I invited her into it a little bit. And I remember where I was when she was, she said, look, I don't know that I share this with you yet, but it looks good on you. So keep moving in that direction. And mm. Mm. yeah, that's a fantastic answer. Yeah. Yeah. Most of my friends did not say that. 
um, honestly, I hid most of it from my wife out of, out of shame. So it wasn't until all the way after that I'm like, yeah, here's where I'm at. When I was in a healthier place. What were you ashamed of? Oh, I mean, so I also kept going to church during all of that. I was ashamed that one of the two versions of what I believed was a lie or what I actually believed at the moment that you asked me was a lie. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, and I was really good at faking it. I'm ashamed of that too. But also this is where my friends are. <laughs> so, you know, and I think what made it easier is my kids weren't old enough to ask any real questions. Right. Um, they were they were old enough to matter to me, which helped me reprocess things, but they weren't asking me questions. I'm really thankful actually, because I mean, my daughter was just baptized a few weeks ago. And like she, she told me something the other day during one of her softball games that one of the people she goes to daycare with said, you have to be baptized to be a Christian. And she's like, is that true? And I was like, well, and luckily that night, actually, we, we rode to her game. It was canceled because of a thunderstorm, but it wasn't canceled when we left. So we just stayed in the parking lot for like an hour. I pulled out all of the versions of the Bible on my phone because that's the world that we live in. And I started rolling through all of these people that apparently were Christians before they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and that wasn't even water. And then, you know, so we just had a huge conversation. How old was she? She would have been, she's she's eight. So this is just a few oh, months ago. Um, but I wouldn't have been able to do that. So like I'm, but mostly ashamed of how well I could fake it and how well nobody knew. You know what I mean? Including close friends and family. So, yeah. Well, um, and this is one of the things that I, for better or worse, I have trouble concealing anything that I'm feeling. So, you know, if I'm fussy, everybody in my house knows it. If I'm, and maybe that's one thing that helped. I just. I could, I could hide it. You could? Yeah, I would be able to. You couldn't. He couldn't. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been told that I lack empathy. So <laughs> I, I'm very stoic face. And when I'm not all that excited about anything, I'm just very monotone. So it's hard, unless you know me well, it's sometimes hard to get a, a bead on, on where I'm at. Um, so he had mentioned, you may say something different or would add, add, add something to take away from. So for unraveling and, and, and all around that, is, did that happen for you as well or, or, or no? I think, uh, for me, I, I, we had a miscarriage when Hutch was two. Mm. So this would have been, what? 13 years ago. Mm. Um, and so that started my, holy crap, everything's falling apart. Um, because everything had kind of gone really great, you know, and that was the first thing of mine. And then it, from there, well, actually, when I had my first, when we had Hutch, everything kind of fell apart too, because all this anger, just, it's like having a baby brought up all this anger I had. Mm. <laughs> I didn't know I had. And so I started going to counseling. Mm. And that, really unraveled a lot for me yeah there and then the miscarriage and then you know all this these issues with my parents and you know and all of that but as far as the spiritual stuff i think i always questioned some things and i grew up southern baptist and i remember telling my dad i don't know and which freaks him out I and mean, he couldn't handle that he can't handle that's when, you just, that's when you just—that's when you just throw up priesthood of all believers. That's all you have to say. That's the Baptist faith and message: priesthood of all believers. There you go. <laughs> so. <laughs> but so I um. But as far as some of the stuff, I just didn't care. Like mm. to me, I don't. I don't worry about the afterlife. I don't worry about the creation stuff as much. It doesn't 
I'm just like, yeah, I don't care. Does that, maybe that's very shallow of me. No. Um, so you remind me a little bit of my wife in that. So like people will ask my wife a question and she'll be like, yeah, I can answer that. And then other times they'll ask a different question. Like, yeah. You're going to need to talk to my husband on that one. And I'll like rip it apart down to like, here's what right. the Hebrew says. And here's, you know, or the best that I can. Um, right. And she's more like, I just, I'm just going to try to love on all these people. And I don't, I don't know that I care. I don't know that it matters. That's how I am. I mean, I just, I, I'm like, I don't care really about the beginning or the end. I don't know. Yeah. I don't yeah. have that strong of an opinion on it. I feel like God could do it either way. Doesn't matter. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. but then I do feel a little bit like maybe I just need to think a little deeper. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm just being too shallow. I think maybe, maybe a person only has so much bandwidth to think about. I do think yeah. there's that. I mean, I'm just kind of yeah. like, I mean, I'm trying to live in the moment. <laughs> well, I had all that time to process. Yeah. I mean, she was doing everything you know, else. Do Yeah. I mean, taking care of, I mean, well, he when was you, diagnosed with MS and then like a month and a half later we had our, we had our daughter. That's a so lot. I was full on crazy. Like I, I was in postpartum and PTSD. I mean, I was just a mess. Yeah. Um, it was horrible. Yeah. Well, and when we, so we got married pretty young. So I had just turned, I just turned 21 when we got married. And then Jennifer came on the road with our band, even both, even before she was in FFH, she was on the road with FFH. And then one of the members left and she joined and it changed the whole chemistry of the band. And it was all of a sudden went from, yeah, this is nice to, wow, this is really cool. And then we got a record deal. And so that first 10 years of our marriage that like decade one, we just were all in with the music dream. And in a lot of ways it was a dream. I mean, we lived on a tour bus playing our songs to people and, you know, in some small pockets of the country, it was just amazing, but some of it wasn't. And then, so when we started to maybe kind of get, well, we had, we were unhealthy when we started to realize that and get healthy. She went to counseling first. I started to go to, and I started to realize that a lot of, I would say, and I'm not trying to be like, I would say 75% of our problems were me just cause I didn't, there were so many things I didn't know. Mm. Um, and so, I mean, I, I remember sitting in my counselor's office cause our counselors were husband and wife. And we gave them permission to talk about us. Um, and I remember going, I don't, this guy's name, oh, I'm not going to say his name, but I just remember going, I don't know what to do, man. I like, I just felt like that was the unraveling really. That was worse than the spiritual stuff. It was like, I have totally misunderstood what it means to be a good husband, a good Christian, a good leader. I mean, I, all that stuff I was totally messed up on mm. and so when I, I think the other stuff was easier, I yeah. think having my understanding of God unravel was easier than having to go, man, I have messed this marriage up. Like, I, like I just wasn't, it just wasn't, I mean, there was no infidelity or anything like that. I just didn't know really what. He, it, well, he was the, he was always, everyone just relied on him to take care of everything. And yeah, so yeah. in the band and so. And my identity was wrapped up in being the leader of the band and also being the spiritual leader, whatever the heck that means, the spiritual leader of the house and the, and man, when that 
I mean, I remember us just going, I mean, I remember her and I looking at each other and she told me one time, she told me, and this is, this was probably the saddest point for me of our marriage. She was just like, I'm not sure there's anything here. Mm. And we were standing, we were actually standing in our closet in that big house that we had built. And I was like, gosh, that is like, and so, I mean, that coming out of that was harder than the other stuff. Yeah. And so by the time it got to like, I'm not sure I was right about God. That was easy. By that time I was like, well, I'm not really right about anything. So you also came from a different place spiritually. What I mean, mean, as far as he, he was raised in Methodism, which is a lot different than what I was raised in. So I think that made it a little easier. You weren't raised, you know, wasn't yeah. as quite as legalistic. <laughs> no. So, I mean, it, it was more of like, what the unraveling was it wasn't as far to unravel yeah but i have to say man i i bought into the whole systematic thing i mean i and and when 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 gosh i don't i i, I hate naming names but i may as well name them but when when conservative fundamental christians find a young man that will be kind of there. They just will go, well, he's our guy. And I was like, fine, I'm your guy. I mean, it's just intoxicating, you know? Yeah. My whole yeah. thing is wanting people to like me. I'm a Enneagram four. So like, you know, I, I, I went in, I went all in with it. I mean, and her dad was, I mean, her dad is an amazing guy and <laughs> uh, he's, he is one of my best friends. I mean, he's, he is my guy. But I also was the son he literally never had. Mm. And I mean, he was all in with me. With, they were on the road with us yeah, for a I mean, long time. He was our road pastor for four years. And nice. and he, I mean, he is my, my buddy. He, he's, uh, his health is failing now. And it, I mean, it's, it makes me really sad. But that is one of the things that kind of drove me in that direction is just, I had his like approval mm. and to me, their family was perfect. Like I just thought their last name is else. I just thought the else family is perfect that, you know, the parents are perfect. They go to church. They're good Baptists. Three daughters are awesome, you know? And like, mm. I don't know. I just, so I was an independent regular Baptist, um, which yeah. is slightly more legalistic than, than, than just regular Southern Baptist. I will tell you, there's a lot of families like that. I don't know, Jennifer, if you would agree or not, but is is simply not true. Oh my gosh. It's 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 a box predicated <laughs> upon out. fear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. He yeah. found that out right away. <laughs> yeah. Um uh, yeah, I am so I go to a Baptist church now, but I go to a Baptist church now that for one summer season we literally ripped through like 10 of these episodes and the pastor like was intentionally like we're going to wrestle through some stuff. Mm. We're going to wow. do we're going to do this, you know. Um That's cool. Yeah, extremely please. And he's not afraid to, to quote Richard Rohr and Eastern Orthodox theology and mix it right in there with other things. Yeah. So um, yeah. stre wow. stretches everyone. Yeah. Yeah. It's that time of the episode. Give me 30 seconds or so. I'll be right back. You make all things new. Yeah. You make all things new. Yeah. You make all things new. And I more of you.
what would you say for both of you is the biggest, maybe from a decade to maybe now, what is the biggest lens that has moved on how you view God? Like what system was replaced with something bigger? I'll go first because I already know the answer to this for me. So for me, it was going from like the dualistic, whatever that is, like the binary Mm -hmm. in out. You talk about this on your show all the time. So your listeners know this language. For me, it was letting that go and trying to kind of hold the tension of the non-dualistic thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, What about you? I don't know. I really don't know. That's fine. <laughs> totally fair. Because I'm not sure. My, I don't know. I'm a fan of existential questions. I'm going to end with a couple as well because okay. those, those are fun. <laughs> um, so I spent the last three days listening to some of your new music. And so, Jennifer, there's one from you, it appears. Right? Isn't that right? I don't know. Wait, which new music are you talking about? It's, well, it's from 2020. So I guess that's new. You know, Be Still we- My Soul. We re-released oh, Be Still My Soul. okay. So it's new to me anyway. It's new to you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, so where are y'all at musically now? So you're leading worship at a church in California um, that I'm not going to lie to also know kind of where I was coming in. Um, I, I went ahead and looked at all the talk trinal statements on the church's website just to make sure I knew kind of where, you know, where I wanted to go. Are, are there any? No, um, which I was like, I like it's it, like the wording. I'm, I'm don't have it up in front of me. Like the wording are like we believe scripture is entirely really helpful when we're trying to understand <laughs> what we're talking about when we're talking about with God. I'm like, yes, yeah. that is yes, that's yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah, you know. So so where are you at with your music now? So Jeremy, I know you've got three or four things going on. Like where are y'all at? Where where is that going? I don't think that you can probably turn that off. No. And thanks for asking, because um, one of the things that's hard about sort of going dark is going dark. You know, I mean, it's so much of our life was being able to play music for people and record music. And um, we haven't done much of that since we've been out here. Uh, I recorded one tune right in the middle of COVID and released a couple of other songs that I felt like kind of were honest representation representations of where I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're musically, we are sort of questioning what we want to do next with it. Um, the beauty of being here at journey has been to be in a place that is, I don't know if this, I mean this in the best way, but it's, spiritually nondescript enough for us to be able to question and grow and really try to follow the Holy spirit in, you know, in what we want to do. And and that's one of the reasons we came to journey is first of all, journey's small. We had come out of a really big, you know, Christian music is mostly in mega churches and playing. And then, yeah. and then we had um, been, you know, our resident artists in those churches and journey is small. I mean, it's, they don't like it when I say that, but it's like three or 400 it's people. T- it's really small. It's about the size of our COVID, church. I think yeah, it's, it's right. COVID. It's even smaller. And when you say 400 people, like, especially in orange County, those people don't come on the same Sunday. No. So, but you know, our kids, when we came out here, Hutch was what? 11 or something. He was in fourth grade, whatever that is. Yeah. And Sadie was, you know, a little bitty and they loved it. And the church, Sadie was five. Church embraced us. 
and it's been a really great seven year stretch. We did start to feel like, especially during COVID that it was time to maybe be closer back to family. So we're moving back to Tennessee at the end of this year. And, um, so that, that, that'll hopefully be, it's easier to make and record music in Nashville. The, the music scene in Orange County is not, I mean, it's been a good place for us to kind of go dark. I also, well, Jennifer and I together have a long-term dream of having a spiritual um, care and recovery ministry. It's called Return and Rest. We just started the nonprofit. Um, but a lot of it is going to be focused on artist care back in Tennessee, but it will be for anybody. And um, just teaching people how to experience the rest of God. You know, my what has become sort of a, a guiding verse for me in this season is that verse in Isaiah where it says, you know, in returning and rest is your salvation and quietness and your trust is your strength. And this is God telling God's people, look, if you'll just return and rest, I'll be everything you need. Mm. Like that mm. word salvation is so weird because it's really the everything. If you'll return and rest, you'll get everything. And if you'll be quiet and trust, you'll be strong. But then later in the, later in the passage, they don't do it. And they never God's do. Like, yeah. So God's like, you, you won't do it. So you're, you'll, you'll kind of live and die by that system. You're going to chase after those things and they'll chase after you. And I really did that early on. And one of the gifts of this, whatever season has been for me to understand that that really is true. If you somehow can find a way to return yourself to God, you know, I, I, I really think the problem of humanity is separation anxiety. Mm. I think sin, whatever sin is, like, I don't know. I mean, I know that that word has been defined and undefined and redefined, but I think it's detachment. I think we're supposed to be in oneness with God, peace. And we have lost it somewhere and we are trying to spin to find it. And it really is kind of, you know, it sounds simple, but it's the hardest, the hardest thing to do is nothing. And so we're hoping our long-term dream with this place in Tennessee and, you know, it's not been just us. It has been also the generosity of some amazing friends that are helping us get back there and buy this land, hopefully put up a little maybe retreat house and, you know, journey the church I'm at now put me through a two year spiritual direction school. And so I want to do some of that. I think it, I really think it's, needed and necessary. And I still want to play music and music will probably be my living for the short term. But I think that's the second half for me, mm. for us. She's got that dream too. I mean, she wants animals and sheep and goats. Yeah. I grew up on a farm. Are you having, so, are you buying enough land to get that? We have a few acres. Yeah. Nice. What's the first animal that you buy? Probably, oh, uh, probably chickens. Oh, they make too much noise. Well, no, I'm not a rooster. Never get a rooster. Chickens are Never buy a rooster. If you don't hear anything else in this, that's the thing. Never you buy a rooster. Never buy a rooster. <laughs> no, probably sheep too. This is unrelated. This, this is unrelated to anything. So my mother-in-law has chickens, and we sometimes benefit from that. You know, when we go over there, and my son. This must have been five or six years ago. One of those chickens came after my son. And I don't think he actually came after my son or she, they, the chicken. 
Yeah. But my son was running from this chicken, and this chicken is definitely chasing it. And I just see my mother-in-law <laughs> move like she is running track in high school with a broom coming at this chicken. It is both one of my favorite memories of her and also one of the funniest memories I have of her. Um, so. Is your son scarred for life? Because I had guinea fowl. No, no, he I'm loves. Scarred. He'll go out there and help. He'll, he'll pick them up. Like he's my son. My son is fearless on a lot of things. We went to um, what's it's the it's by Disney, but it's not Disney. Um, Universal Studios. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a roller coaster. Every ro- so we bought the fast passes when we went um, a couple years ago, and he is the kid that waited in line so we could ride in the front seat of every single roller coaster. Um, wow. So chickens don't That's scare nice. him. Um, he's my kind of guy though. I'm like, yes. Um, we're actually looking at going to Gatlinburg or Pigeon Forge next year. And I told him, I was like, I'm pretty sure we can bungee jump there. I just need to see what the age restrictions are. And my, oh my, and my wife's like, God, no, please, please. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and me and him and I are both like, yes, let's, let's do this. I read in a book somewhere that that's actually a genetic makeup really dare daredevil kind of like people who are risk takers i would jump out of a plane right now let's it's go it's a genetic it's actually like a um something in your dna so i did this to him that's what you're telling me yeah it's your fault <laughs> I died so music is your living so you're gonna release music together are you gonna create a new band are you gonna just make singles and sell like what what does that look like while you're My setting baby. up <laughs> my dream is a country cover band but that's not that's not what we're gonna do oh definitely do that why not that's that's always been my dream this woman has this woman has played music in front of tens of thousands of people and all she wants to do is be in a cover band <laughs> <laughs> they she make like, they make movies about people that are cover bands though right like the monkeys started off as a cover band didn't they or, or a parody band yeah yeah I think they did covers and parodies of the Beatles and then they got popular. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 There's a few others. That I can't think of what they are at the moment, but yeah, it doesn't matter. Doesn't you matter. know, you mentioned early on in, I don't know if this was before you hit record or not, but we, you were talking about kind of the unraveling and the shame piece of it. Mm-hmm. I feel a lot of shame not knowing exactly what we're doing because I feel like this is, I do feel like this is like a, I feel like we put up our sales and this is the way we're being led, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure exactly what the short term thing is. I mean, I think return and rest is the long term dream for us, but I, I have had a lot of people ask me in the yeah. past month, especially we just announced on Sunday, our resignation out here, although we're staying here three more months, but we said, Hey, this is, you know, we want you to share this with you. It's what's happening. And I've had so many people say, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? How are you going to make a living? What? And I don't know yet. You know, I, I'm sure it'll be fine. It'll be fun and it'll be fine. Well, I hope. It usually Food is and fun. insurance would be good. <laughs> do what? Food and insurance would be really good. Hey, if, if nothing else, you'll have amazing light switches. If nothing else, <laughs> I'm not letting it go. You are such a jerk. There's no context for this. <laughs> you gave context earlier, just a few minutes ago. You, you, gave it? you said you were but building a house. Any yeah. other opinion? That's his only opinion. <laughs> um, I don't know that the you are picking up on your sarcasm. <laughs> so, what else do I have an opinion about? Oh, okay. <laughs> I broke it. I broke it. Um, all right. So, two final it's questions. <laughs> Two final questions. Jennifer, I'll start with you. So what are the things... So I've only recently decided to be sarcastic with the name of the show, because why not? 
What do you think are some of the things that we should be talking about at church if we're going to use the name of the show? And we don't, and it's probably going to explode if we can't figure out how to do so. Oh, gosh. That we should be talking about? Yeah, yeah. So when I think about like, you know, because some of the topics of this show, people are like, yeah, we don't talk about that. Like, we can't talk about money. We're definitely not talking about sex. We're not talking about, you know, what do you think is maybe one thing that you're like, yeah, this needs to be addressed tomorrow yeah. or it's going to hurt things? I don't know. I'm more on the other side of let's don't talk about stuff. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I told you you shouldn't have had us on this you show. You shouldn't have had me on, especially. <laughs> I, because I, our pastor has brought up some politics stuff and I'm like, ah, oh, you just, just don't, just don't. But so I don't know, maybe, um, well, your thing is more appropriateness in the moment. Yeah. Well, I'm just like, don't talk about, there's something that don't need to be talked about from the pulpit in mm. my opinion, mm. but what needs to be talked about? Well, crap. I don't know. I wish I'd have had this ahead of time. I would have thought about that's no fun. That's just no fun. I can I can ask Jeremy if you want when we come back, or you can okay. totally punt it. It's totally fine. There are literally no rules. Okay, do him first. Perfect. Well, I'm thinking about it too because, like, okay, let me ask you this: mm-hmm. When you say things that we should be talking about, things that we should be talking about at church, mm-hmm. do you mm-hmm. mean? things that preachers should be talking about or things right. that we should be talking about as well, Christians as a congregation like what the the way I the way I think of it is like I don't want my children to deal with the garbage of having to deconstruct something because they were afraid to ask a question and yeah. so what do we in community need that. to be talking about so that when they're my age they're like yeah I didn't grow up like that like that's okay. not, that's okay. like, I, I don't like, no, here's what I was taught. I was taught that it's this, 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 and this. Well, then and we I don't have to talk about more about love. Yeah. I mean, that's, mm. I mean, I think that you can't get enough of that. Yeah. You have to talk about love. And I will say for her, the reason that she doesn't care about some of the stuff that I get stuck in the weeds on is because she's just like, well, we just need to love people. And I think for <laughs> some people that's easier. Like I kind of agree with Jennifer in the sense that, like when you first asked that, I was like, this, if that means what should a pastor be talking about, I'm almost, I am so um, fatigued from pastors doing the talking mm-hmm. and, the, and then we don't talk because so much is assumed when a pastor talks. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we need to talk about how some and how we got there. And I think we need to talk about what the Bible is. Mm. I think those things would help. I think helping people understand like what the Bible is and what it isn't. And like, I think that's, I, I think, I don't think we can say anymore. Well, because the Bible says so the Bible doesn't, the Bible can say anything you want it to. Oh yeah. I mean, and so, and I mean, I feel redundant because you've been covering this every week in your podcast. So I'm not adding anything new except for the fact that, we at some point need to be able to unpack like how we got here, why the Bible was closed in the first place. I mean, the Bible is the record of people's experience with God until it stopped. 
Mm. And then we're living in the biblical dark ages of like how many 1500 years of not knowing anybody's experience with God because we weren't allowed to write it down. Yeah. I mean, I think, and this is going to sound, well, you, I think there can be a gospel according to Seth, what God has been in your life mm. and a gospel according to Jennifer, which I know what that one is. Um, but I, I really, I mean, I think that, I think that everybody's experience with God is, a, is as valid as everybody else's. And mm. if the, if people could share those things and maybe sort of re-understand what scripture is, I do think the hell piece is important because it, it kind of talks, it kind of teaches us about what God is really like, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I would agree with hell entirely um i've had a lot of people ask me at work when they find out you know what i went to school and you know, where i went specifically where i went to school and they're like oh what do you believe i'm like absolutely not no i had someone ask me and i've said this on the show before that like i think hell is when and you had talked about sin earlier like i think sin is when i and i, I told this to my son because i'm trying to get him to 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 just be a better example for his sisters is like sin is when i make an intentional decision that breaks, I'll use the Hebrew word shalom, like breaks creation in a way that's intentional, things die. And, mm. and, and that the wages of death, it, it, the wages of sin is death, like things die. And that's the opposite mm. of what we're called to do. We're called to create, you know? Right. And so when things die, that is separation from God, like you and I creating hell, because yeah. of an intentional decision to yeah. do th- and that could literally be as things like um uh, I'm I, I was meandering through this earlier at lunch today I was reading the news articles about this will be political Jennifer but I don't intend it to be um <laughs> about President Trump on the way out <laughs> signing like a massive multi-billion dollar deal to the United Arab Emirates to literally sell them fighter jets and tanks and guns and it's a lot of money and so I understand that. And then President Biden says, yeah, we're still going to do that. And I'm like, no, that's not. How is that helpful to to sell ammunition like that? To, we shouldn't even have that. Like, come on. Like, that is going, that, that is a decision that I would argue is sinful. It's going to create brokenness. It's not mm. going to create anything that looks like the kingdom. Mm. You know what I mean? So that's what I think hell is like. We create it, and then we live in it, and we all suffer for it. But, yeah. but I don't know how you preach that in the pulpit. You know what you just said? We live in it, and then we all suffer for it. That's the thing is that we, when we create life, then we all benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Like it is kind of that butterfly effect, like life, and then more life, and then more life, and then more life, and then you know you can create death, mm-hmm. and yeah. Uh, I, that makes me sad. But here's the thing. I feel like I've done it. I mean, there's grace for that too, I guess. Cause I, I know that I've been, now that you heard the clarifying part, is there anything you feel? I said love. Love. Okay. I mean, I, it's not, you know, no, it's valid. Cause most churches, talked about most, when I was a kid. yeah, not in the, <laughs> not in the Baptist church that I went to. No, absolutely not. What you Mm-mm. see, be careful little ears, what you hear. I mean, that's yeah. what I was talking. Oh man, you should oh man. If you want to know what it's like, like like dial up like a, a, a 
I don't know, a Southwestern Texas like podcast and listen to like their Sunday sermons and just week after week. But even inside that, like Awana's Cubbies was fear-based, which is really mm-hmm. sad. Did you have Awana Cubbies? You know what I'm talking about, Jennifer? Yeah, we had Awana's. Yeah. Well, we didn't have any boys. Oh, it was GAs. We had GAs. Yeah, yeah. But it's all, it's laced throughout all of it. Like it's just so, um, I don't know. And what I love is that, you know, when my, when my pastor came to talk to my daughter, like we didn't focus on any of that. It was, you know, she, she went through a couple of things and she's basically like, you know, and they went through the verse, you know, if you can, if you believe in your heart and you confess that Jesus is Lord. And then she added the, and we just love people. I'm like, yes, we did it. We did it. Yay. There wasn't any Romans road and we didn't walk through any of that garbage because why would, why? It doesn't help. Why? Why? You know, so. Well, and here's the thing. I was all in on the Romans road in my twenties mm-hmm. and I never even thought about it. And now I'm like, if God is kind and loving, would he give us this, whatever, that we have to piece together these things from different parts of a letter to make something make sense? I mean, no, he gives us like the continuity of creation and we go out and we watch it and we realize that nothing ever dies or if something does die, it's part of being alive. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know that. Yeah. Yeah. We had an interesting conversation with our, our youth pastor who we, who we really, really love. His name's Andrew. And he, his, uh, when he came to journey, he was talking to some of us as parents, but he really, we got close to him and his wife as friends and, he was talking about what he was going to be teaching on and, you know, like every good youth pastor, he was going to have a, you know, a series on sex and dating. And, and I just said, why? And he said, well, you know, I think it's important. And I think that's what parents would want. And I said, actually, you know, what scares me the most? I'm not scared of my kids having sex. Of course I, I want them to make wholesome choices or whatever, but what scares me the most is my kids being sad enough that they would kill themselves. Mm. That is my biggest fear that my kids would be so sad and lonely that there'd be no way out. And I was like, if you could talk to my kids about that, now that is what I would really like. I don't care if they wear one piece bathing suits or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like skip, skip that. Like I want them to know how in they are, how loved they are. And I, can you just, you know, and I have to say to his credit, he is, He's been awesome. I and mean, he'll come pick up Hutch and take him to play Frisbee golf once a week. And that's cool. You know, yeah, it is really is cool. But I guess there was just like, he just thought that's what you talk about. You know, we should have a, we should have a dating series and we should have this. And this goes back to your, what should we talk about at church and what shouldn't we? I'm, yeah. Maybe. I mean, I don't think, I think church is still a good thing. Like I will keep going. It's a good rhythm for our family. I think that anytime in scripture, there was a big change. People still went to the synagogue. I mean, even after Jesus left, he told his disciples, go back to the synagogue, go, you know, but I, there's, it's gotta be different somehow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think churches, I think church when done well as a community is an amazing thing. Um, it is. is an amazing thing. Uh, so Jennifer, last question, and then Jeremy, I'll ask you the same one. Um, and it's, it's another existential one, but I feel like it, it maybe is probably not any easier. But I'm going to say that it is. So when you try to explain or wrap <laughs> wrap words around what you say God is, 
What is that? Oh, gosh. What? I don't know. God is, I mean, again, love, but that's so easy. I feel like that's the easy answer, but I don't know, whatever that looks like. Love is a noun. It's God. <laughs> <laughs> love is a noun. I'm making that a shirt. I'm stealing that and I'm not, I'm I not know, even going to give you credit. We're talking about this week. I'm like, love is a noun. Let's read you the song. <laughs> is that a song? Well, love is a verb. Remember it's that? It's a John Mayer song. It's a John it's Mayer also song. A DC it's also song. a DC talk song. Huh. I, I, so this is this will be heretical because I'm a Liberty alum. I've never been a huge fan of DC Talk. Oh come on! Ever really? Oh man! I know that is blasphemy. They are great. I, look individually, they're amazing, but I don't know. Um, what, what's I'll listen to them, but like my wife will play them. I'm like I can't. I don't want to. I don't like it. I don't know. I don't really? even. I don't hey. even know why. I think it's contrarian. Like everyone else is doing it. So right. I don't, I just don't want to. Yeah. yeah I, I get it. Yeah. It was too popular. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I was, I was, I was so still angry that I had to wear ties to class and khakis to school, to pants that I just, I'm not, I can't, I can't like one more thing. So I was just jaded. <laughs> you are, you definitely are not dressed the same as you were for Diana Butler Bass. No. I don't know what I was wearing when I talked to her. I heard, well, you just said in the thing, you said, I'm um, wearing a tie. Oh, I was on my way to work then. So we spoke uh -huh. early in the morning. We were supposed to do one in the evening and something, um, I, I do remember what came up. Um, I'd, I'd rather not say though. But um, How great is she though? She's amazing. Um, what's funny is my pastor talks to me. He's like, you know, she's literally a historian and you never yeah. talk to her about church history. I was like, eh, maybe I, sh maybe I should. One of my favorite stories of hers. So I did like an Easter prayer last year um, during COVID and it's like 20 different people, um, maybe 30 different people. And they randomly just sent me in a prayer for Easter because nobody was at church. And I just mixed it and put it together like literally 1130 at night. And she sent me one. Like I sent an email to a bunch of people and I just love her. Like she is so busy. And so, and, but she had enough, you know, she, she took time out to say, yeah, I'll, you know, we can, we can do a prayer. Um, I, I love that woman. Um, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. What would you say to that, Jeremy? What would you say to, to what you would try to explain that God is? Uh, well, give me a minute. Um, I feel like I can answer this for you. You can answer it for me. Yeah. Why can't like, you answer it for you then? Because I know I hear you say this all the time. Okay. Better than I ever realized. Yes. I would say that is an adjective. God is better than I thought. Um, but I don't want to answer for you, but I, if I were going to, that's what I would say for you. Yeah, actually, that that's a great answer. I, I wasn't thinking that. I was actually, and I've heard you ask people this before or mm -hmm. questions like this. Mm -hmm. And I feel shame now because they, they usually, well, first of all, when you say, usually when you ask somebody who is done about you, they usually have an answer. And I don't really know how to answer who I am. And I'm still kind of figuring out who God is like, so you have three kids, you said three kids, right? Mm -hmm. So they probably all have a similar experience of you as daddy and then all really different. Right. And I would think that Hutch and Sadie have, I mean, I'm daddy and they would go, yeah, but they do know me differently. And I'm starting to wonder if God is like that. Now I'm not saying that God is this, completely fluid thing that we can just decide 
whenever we want to, what God is like. But I had a profound experience in my spiritual direction training thing that they sent me to. And it, it was, I mean, it was pretty in depth. We, we kind of used our, it was a cohort of 25 people over the course of two years and we'd go out in the woods and, you know, spend a lot of time alone in prayer. And I really, for one of the weeks related to God as like mama, God, grandma, mm. God. And I felt like God was totally okay with that. You know what I mean? Like, so I think God is God, the same yesterday, today, forever. And then also different today for what you need for today. Does that make sense? It does. And that you can't say at church, but I don't know. I experience it that way. I experience God as more of like, sometimes I experience God as a person and sometimes I experience God as like a flow and a rhythm and I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's weird when we were, I hear this from couples, they say, you know, I knew I loved so-and-so when we could ride in a car without saying anything. And it was fine. And she and I had an experience too. I remember we would drive that drive from Pennsylvania down to Nashville, 81. And there were times where we were laughed times where we were just quiet for a really long time. And there was just kind of this stillness. And I think sometimes God is just stillness. Like mm. the language of God is silence sometimes just. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. You know, this is what I've figured out through the course of this hour. I don't know who I am, who God is, or who she is. You know what I do know, though? So I'm going to go watch basketball. That you, I know that you are here because that's what that sign says. So if you know nothing right. else, you are here, right that's there. That's actually a dish towel that I bought for him. It's hanging there. I, I like it. So. You no, know, I like it. Though. Jennifer told me I was worried about something. This is several years ago, and she's like, look, if you're in the future, you're there by yourself. I don't think I made that up. You didn't? No. Well, you you told me like you did. If you're in the future, you're there by yourself? Yeah, because God is now. And uh. if you're off there, the reason you feel alone in your worry is because you really are. You're... I'm really, see, I'm not as shallow as you that's think pro- That's very profound. No, I don't think you're shallow at all. I'm just <laughs> um, I like that. Um, yeah, I like that a lot. So I Googled return and rest. I don't see yeah. anything. So I, when is that? Like, how can people support with that? Because normally, like, we have a book we're buying or an album we're listening yeah. to. I know. That's why I didn't know why you wanted to talk to us. Because we don't really have. These so are is, the fun yeah. conversations, honestly. So returnandrest.org is, uh, it, it is there if you find it. And that will be if sort of. That if you look at if you look for returnandrest.org, you should find something of a placeholder, and that will and it ho- is just a placeholder. That will hopefully be kind of the descriptor for the long term dream. We don't have a way. It's it's we're we're in the process of the five hundred one c three. Yeah, Jennifer. Jennifer is. <laughs> I come home sometimes, and Jennifer's on the phone with Legal Zoom, and she's just like, "I've been on with Legal Zoom for <laughs> Legal Zoom." <laughs> Zoom. This is not a good commercial for legal Zoom. It's very official. Didn't we fire them? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I, I've been looking for advertisements, and and this this whole episode brought to you by Legal Zoom right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, 
That's fun. You know, you need to do. You need to go to a garage sale, find a bunch of plates for sale, offer to buy the box for five bucks, and then when you get angry at LegalZoom, just go out in the backyard and throw them at the ground. Good idea. That's what's what you need to do. Um, yes. I, I saw I someone like doing that. that on a commercial on a show that my wife and I were watching, and I literally, I was like, that. I want what that. We watch? I don't know. We watch Hulu, so we get the same six ads. It's either like some uh, AstraZeneca, um, like skin rash cream, or politi- pay, political ads. Like a couple bucks more to, to go ad free. The thing is, I kind of like the ads because I like oh. to. I like. I, I like to be able to get up and and. Uh, you know, like maybe I have to go to the bathroom or oh, check on the kids and I know I've got 90 seconds. You know, what's fun. What we do is the next drug ad is the name of our next baby. <laughs> the best. So, so we're, our next kid is Humera. What's the rheumatoid arthritis? Which we're not having any more kids. That's Humera. Humera is, is it, the psoriatic arthritis. There it is. <laughs> yes, next, I get a lot daughter, of those commercials. Our next we daughter, watch a lot of TV. Can we do, know? man. We have. I actually said, hey, in this new house, maybe we don't have a TV. And our both of our kids were like, what will we do? <laughs> <laughs> so I asked. So. I'm a firm believer that something is listening because when we took the kids to Disney, all we saw on Hulu was Disney ads, period. And we didn't Google it at all. You know, um, but so with that in mind, I asked my wife literally last night, I was like, all we get is like ads for people that I feel like should be 15 to 20 years older than we are. How old does Hulu think that we are? It dep- it's what you're watching, probably. Are you watching a lot of NCIS? No, <laughs> no, no. A lot of the medical dramas because we just can't get enough of it. So, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. the The ads are are really annoying. Yeah. I went. To, I was watching something, and every ad was the purge when it was coming out, and I was like, okay, I'm over this. That stupid, creepy movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They kill people, and I was like, okay, I can't. I'm going ad free. I can't deal. Yeah, there is an ad for that show. I think it comes on ABC, maybe NBC, that the plane crashes and oh. I don't know what the show is called. Manifest? Yes. But we the, the, the current ad is some girl is screaming and every time it screams, my wife and I are both like, that was a good scream. That was that was a good way to end that. That was a, that was a good scream. Um, every single time. We saw, I saw the, we saw the star of that show one day when we were in LA. Like, Manifest. Yeah. I will never watch it. It's not my, it's not my goal. So I can't believe it's still on. It's horrible. Hey, I'll tell you what's good. The is first season is so bad. There's one where this woman just takes people in and pops their like zits. I'm not I'm ones. not watching I'm not doing that. Man, I can't do it. It's, Listen, it's amazing. It's not even pimples anymore. She's gone off the rails. Like there are people it's that like they have humps, like for real, like she pulls bowling ball size six. Yeah, I, I don't know why I would want to watch that. And he's not even into that stuff. That's I'm not, so but weird. that comes across like so. We have YouTube TV, mm-hmm. and it gives you the weirdest channels. Another ad, and so like we we only get the stuff that's on YouTube TV, and so it's like we get Family Feud on like a. Constantly. We watch a lot of. Family I would family. binge that absolutely. We watch a lot of Family Feud. We get naked and afraid. Have you ever seen that? Where uh, they drop two people off in the uh, wilderness? I've seen naked. commercials for it. Yeah. So I think that's a CBS show, and so I don't watch any CBS shows because you have to like pay for their walled garden. And I think uh, that yeah, they're not on Hulu, so I don't have any CBS shows, which really bothers me when my Cowboys play 
Um, how do I what? That's so stupid. They have their own, like, you got to pay them 10 bucks a month. And I'm like, why would I do that when everything else is on one of the, uh, come on. That's less stupid. less Moonves, I'm not giving you any of my money. You've lost your mind. I didn't pick up on any of your podcasts that you were a Cowboys fan. I mean, I knew you were from Texas. He would not have done this. That makes me, I'm he from Philly. Question so the whole thing. Quite uncomfortable. Yeah, well, I mean. I love sports. I mean, here's the thing. I know that grace abounds, right? Grace, <laughs> grace it does. abounds. It does. And I know we're both equally terrible lately. So I'm hopeful that everybody's better next time. Either way, so assuming eventually people can donate money to that, they should. And um, outside of that, I really have enjoyed chatting with you both. I've, 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 I, I like when I laugh. I don't always get to laugh in these. So I've enjoyed well, it pretty in much. The, in the case that this ever airs, <laughs> thank you for having us. Oh. And I want the listeners to know that this has been a huge blessing to me because during this kind of whatever this new season is, it sometimes the other voices aren't the actual humans, you know, in your life. And it, the podcast community is really helpful to mm. be able to, you know, spend, you know, an hour walking, listen to your podcast, listen to your sexy voice and <laughs> <laughs> checks in the mail. I'm going to pay you for saying it. <laughs> sexy. Ugh. Wow. I don't even know how to, I can't. I don't even know either. I, I don't know how to, where do we go from there? <laughs> I don't know. All right. I will, I will, I will end it there. So this is what it feels like to just fall apart. the show for the week it is always a privilege to do this for you and i still learn so much from doing these episodes just a little bit of taste of what's coming up in the future so i've got Cy, jonathan and Susie from keep the faith coming on they're doing some big things i have preachers and sneakers on which if you don't follow that instagram account you should you'll really enjoy it but i think it shines a light on all that is wrong with what power and money do. David Zock back on, Terrence Lester. There is so much going on and it's a busy time of the year for us, but as you go on your vacations, as you spend time with your family, man, queue up a few episodes, listen to them, share them with a friend, let me know your thoughts. Now today's show was mixed and edited and recorded, etc., by me, but it was produced by the patrons of the show. That is one of the most concrete ways that you can support the show. So if you're able, consider doing that. There are multiple tiers that should fit everyone. And as of a few days ago, the store is back up. There's a couple new designs in there. There's going to be three or four more that go in there. And I'm hopeful to have a few more products. One of the things I'm really looking for for myself, I haven't found yet, but when I do, I promise you, that's getting there. Also a huge thank you to Jeremy and Jennifer for allowing me to use their music in this week's episode. I hope that you're well, that you're blessed, and we'll talk soon. Somehow
This is what it feels like to be led This is what it feels like to be led So this is what it feels like 